I got the asthma. <laughs> I love Salem. God damn it. I love it here. <laughs> I think that's the margarita talking. <laughs> it's just the allergens in the air. It just gets me going. <laughs> We're Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about health and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push it. So we did think that margaritas during the podcast would be a good idea. (laughs) So far, it's good. I haven't even said welcome yet. No, this is a big moment for me because I, I have decided that I'm no longer going to say what episode number we're on. Oh my God. Is it going to like, are you, are you doing okay? I feel sick. <laughs> I feel a sick. Take a drink of your margarita. Okay. okay. So we've got some strawberry margaritas here. Um, just as a little reminiscent of our trip to Mexico. So while we were on break, we took a trip to Mexico. I would say it was just us. It really wasn't, but it was just, it was, it was Jill and I and my mom and her best friend. And it was, it was really fun (laughs) and comical in a lot of ways, but we drank a lot of margaritas. We got through it. Yeah. And you know what? It should be sunny here right now, and it's not. Yeah. So we're going to at least drink some margaritas. <laughs> we're going to have sunshine in our bodies. Right. Special shout out to Angel, because we miss you bringing us strawberry margaritas in the morning. Right? You'd <laughs> <laughs> bring it, and I'd be like, 10 o'clock is just too early for a margarita. And then I'd wait a little bit, and I'd be like, well, it's just going to melt. I might as well. <laughs> well can't let it just melt. No. A waste. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Push Podcast. And it's a mystery what episode it is. <laughs> I can't. I can't with you. Okay, so someone, not naming any names, gave me a hard time about always saying what number episode we were on in our previous mm-hmm. two seasons. <laughs> And what a shocker that that same person is still giving you shit about not saying what episode we're on. It's weird, right? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> yes, we are. I love that we're back. I yes. Love it. This is good. This Me is too. Good. This is the episode where we go through the emotions of feeling defensive and then taking accountability for our actions. Yep. It is what's to do when you have caused harm. Yes. So in order to, in order to kind of frame 
what this discussion is about. Like think of a hypothetical situation. So let's say, let's say that someone came into our gym and they are non-binary, but we misgendered them, like mm-hmm. by calling them he or she instead of they. That's something that can happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, and maybe that person now has felt like we have caused them harm by misgendering them. Mm-hmm. And so what, what is our role when we do do something wrong or we do cause harm? So I don't even like to say when we do something wrong, but when we cause harm, because sometimes we might not even realize that what we've done is wrong because of our own privileges, mm-hmm. but we still have caused harm all the same. Um, and so what can we do? What can we do when we've caused harm? Sure. And so these kinds of things happen on three different levels. And we talked about this in the last podcast, but we'll do a little review. Mm-hmm. Um, this can happen on an individual level. So like within yourself, it can happen on an interpersonal level, like when you're interacting with other people, mm-hmm. and then it can also happen on a systemic level. So um, the the way that we contribute to systems that harm other people. And so I want to talk through that, um, like the ways that we can cause harm on all three of those levels. Sure. Yeah. So starting with um, starting with ourselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, like when you were saying about how sometimes you don't know that you've caused harm Mm -hmm. because you're just kind of stuck in your own privileges or your own world Uh and then finding out after the fact, I know that I personally have experienced that many times and I probably Mm -hmm. will many more times. Right. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. been a learning process to accept that feedback, um, Mm -hmm. to not get defensive about that feedback, but also to not ignore where that harm might've come from. Mm -hmm. So thinking like, you know, examining my own internalized biases, Mm -hmm. um, really taking the time to do that. Cause if you skip over that part, you really are harming yourself. Right. Yeah. So not doing the inner work can definitely be part of how you contribute to harm on an individual level. And in addition kind of in that same realm is like how we talk to ourselves. So if we are telling ourselves on a regular basis, like, God, you're just a fat ass or, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or we are, um, or we're sitting with some racist or homophobic or transphobic or ableist beliefs within ourselves, it really does ourselves harm, um, but it also can contribute to negative talk. And so um, if we kind of look at the way that we talk about ourselves through the day, that can be one of the things that we can change right away as far as doing harm. Because um, if we are talking to ourselves that way, chances are we are not not doing some of the inner work and that we are more likely to cause harm outside of ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. At least that's been my experience. I'm not talking as psychotherapist. I'm not, I'm just a trainer, (laughs) but, but, but that's been my experience. Yeah. Well, and our own personal experiences really matter because that's where you, um, that's where you start the learning and growing process is by examining your own stuff and, and being accountable for it. Um, 
the negative self-talk can lead into hurt, harming other people, whether intentionally or not. And so then um, other ways that we can do harm is on an interpersonal level. And this is where, like, I think most of the conversation tends to happen around like doing harm. It's like, like within our friendships or within mm-hmm. our communities, things that we say or do to other people. Yeah. Um, and sometimes these things can be completely inadvertent. Um, I actually, I do a post. I like to do posts during the, during the week. That's like a happy Monday or Tuesday or whatever day it is to everyone except. And recently I did one about gun control and I was making a joke about toxic masculinity and someone was like, Hey, like small penis jokes aren't cool because it's body shaming. And my first instinct was to be like, Ooh, that's not what I was saying. I wasn't like in my head, I wasn't thinking small penis. I was thinking toxic masculinity and you know, how toxic masculinity in my mind equates to not being able to please someone in bed. (laughs) And, but it didn't, for me, didn't have anything to do with small penis. However, that doesn't mean that the way that I worded it was okay. Right. Yeah. Or it doesn't mean that it didn't cause harm. That person's feelings were still hurt. And so I was like, well, I could explain it away and spend a lot of time, like explaining my position, or I could just say, I'm sorry for the harm I caused and go from there. Mm -hmm. And that was so much better than in the past when I have tried to explain myself, because when you, when you initially work on being like, Oh, that's not what I meant. And we're going to get to this whole thing about intent versus impact later. But when you're, when you're more worried about explaining it away than you are about addressing the person's feelings, it can be a hard place to start a conversation mm-hmm. from. And so, yeah. um, so that was my most recent interpersonal one. Do you sure. have, do you have an experience about interpersonal? <laughs> no, never. I'm always like, you've always been perfect. And fine. I've always been perfect and fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the patriarchy turkey. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> I know that for me, explaining away things is typically my go-to. And I think that depending on the situation, like I have, I have friendships with people where I know that I can do that part first and then get to the other side of it, like actually taking accountability. But in a situation like, like, like with the one that we were talking about earlier, like misgendering someone, I, it, it does more harm than good to explain it away as opposed to saying, I'm sorry, and I'm going to do better. Um, Because think about like, the last time you had expressed your feelings to someone and that, you know, you were hurt by them. Did it make you you feel better when they're like, actually, I didn't mean it that way. And you're just totally misunderstanding me kind of thing, as opposed to, you know what, you're right. And I'm really sorry about that. Right. I hear you. And I see you. Yep. That's what I think that most people want to want to experience when they have, when they care enough to share with you that you've heard them. Cause sometimes like you don't even get the benefit of someone sharing that with you because they don't care enough. Right. Right. They'll just like cancel you or develop an opinion about you and move on. Right. Whereas if someone actually comes to you and says, Hey, you did this harm to me that's, that's a sign of love. That's a sign of love and respect that they love and respect you enough. They care about you enough to ask you to do better. That's a really good point. Cause I think that 
Mm. I think that we get stuck in this idea of being misunderstood and feeling like you don't owe anyone any sort of accountability or an apology. And really it's, it's a huge missed opportunity for, for us to grow and learn and do better and how to really, um, facilitate these interactions better in the future so that we can all remain in each other's circles, right? Like Mm -hmm. you were talking about canceling, like remaining in each other's communities. Cause I think that, you know, the goal with friends is that you really like, you want to stay friends, right? Unless it's Mm -hmm. like a really egregious thing that they did. Um, So coming to it from a place of love and being open to receiving that is huge. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's a little overview on some of the interpersonal and then um, systemic, like we can do harm by investing in systemic systems. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think about this, like in terms of like, I personally am Mm anti-cop and I hear from friends like, well, my brother is a police officer and he's nice and I love him. And I'm like, that is all probably true. Mm-hmm. And your brother has bought into a system that is his, like at its roots, racist. Mm-hmm. And we see evidence of that in how the police interact with communities all the time. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that your brother interacts in those ways, but he has bought into that system. Mm -hmm. And so I maintain my stance, fuck the police, (laughs) not your brother, but the system. Right. And so, um, there's all kinds of systems that we buy into that can cause harm. Mm -hmm. Like, um, in the past, I was very seriously considering um, getting a CrossFit certification Mm -hmm. and was actually like kind of on my way in that direction when the pandemic hit and George Floyd happened. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the story about this, the former CEO of CrossFit posted a snarky comment after George Floyd was murdered saying that it was Floyd 19 season or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Making fun of the way that people were getting um, invested in anti-racism for the first time like oh you're all just a bunch of sheeple just you know Mm -hmm. like going after this this cause and um it's spreading like a pandemic right um i will not invest in that company now and i know that that person has been ousted and but also like if you look at a lot of crossfit in general most crossfit spaces are very white Mm-hmm. And I, I hope to see that changing in the future, but sort of kind of until it does, I'm not sure that I'll invest. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you want to talk about your experience with strong first? Yeah. Yeah. Strong first was, um, a company that I really, um, I really wanted to be a part of. I wanted to get certified in some of their kettlebell training certifications, my husband um, historically has been a huge part of Strong First and has multiple certifications with them. And 
during this, um, during 2020, after George Floyd was murdered, it was feeling super important uh, for us and, and other people in our community to know where people stand and to actually like say something about what was happening. And Strong First basically refused to do that. So I had messaged them on Facebook Messenger asking like, hey, like, could you say something? Because I really, I really wanted to believe in them. I really mm -hmm. wanted to be a part of what they had going on, but I couldn't if they weren't going to address what was happening. And basically the CEO of Strong First said, no, I don't have to, and I'm not going to. Um, and, and he posted something online that said he wasn't going to be bullied into like virtue signaling into virtue signaling, which, um, I, which I'm like, okay. And I see that, like, I see the point, like if, Hey, if you, if you want to like stay neutral and we've talked about the whole idea of like straddling the fence and staying neutral and how that's just sort of a, you're basically siding with the oppressor. Like you sure. want things to stay status quo. Um, that's, that is your right, but it does tell people it does. It, it still tells us mm -hmm. where you stand. Oh yeah. And so, and strong first has some, um, private Facebook groups and, there were several um, black instructors and black members um, of that community that were like, Hey, like, mm -hmm. where are you? Mm -hmm. And they just got no response, none, zero. Mm -hmm. um, until eventually, maybe like a week later, they put out this super weak statement that was like, racism is wrong. We're like, well, no shit. Like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, that's not what we're so. Um, so long story short, I do not have any plans ever of investing in any other courses. And my husband has since moved on from them too, which was a huge loss for him because he was very ingrained with that. Oh yeah. That was going to be like his path. Like yeah, his he was going to be an instructor and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So he, him breaking away from that was a huge deal. And, um, he, you know, we all feel better for having done that, but it was hard at the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and it's, it's really interesting because I thought a lot lately about times that I have spoken up and I'll tell you, like, sometimes I'm a bit like a bull in a China shop when I speak up about some of these things, but like I have challenged larger organizations a couple of times, um, both times that I've challenged places. Like, so for me, my thing that I really, really, really wanted to do and still would like to do is write and publish fitness articles. And twice I have called out larger organizations. Like I, there was a magazine that I got published in a couple of times. That was like my dream magazine at the time. I was so excited about it. Mm -hmm. I was like, like, this is going to be it for me. And it was also at a time that I very first started doing that inner work of mm -hmm. like taking anti-racism courses. And I was like, Hey, Hmm, something feels a little funny here. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to our discussion. Do you love the push podcast? Support us by becoming a push patron as a push patron. You will have exclusive access to our episodes, bonus materials, freebies, the ability to ask us questions, and more. Go to www.patreon.com slash pushfitness. That's www.patreon.com 
reon.com slash pushfitnessnow to get started. And now, back to the Push Podcast. When I look at this like conference that you all just had, it's literally all white people. What do you think we could do to like change that? And I, they did write back telling me that they didn't see the problem the way I saw it. And I have never worked for them again. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing happened when I asked, I wrote for an, this was an online uh, fitness organization. And I, I got to write articles about body image and I got to write articles about sexual assault because those were sort of my things like body image because I'm a fat person and sexual assault because I've experienced that. And when I pushed back a little and said, Hey, like, I'd like to write some like legit fitness stuff Mm -hmm. or like work for you as a trainer. I was basically told like, Oh, we need someone with more experience, but then they gave a thinner person with less experience, the job, right? Twenty um, plus years is not nearly enough. I'm right. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying that. Like, I mean, there's could have been a lot of other reasons that went into that. But from my perspective, it was like, listen, as someone in this body, you're not going to command respect as a trainer. Mm-hmm. And so, instead of trying to change that fact, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep things the way they are and keep on trucking. Yep. Right. Like, and so, and so, you know, and so in those ways, those are some, like, those are some big companies in the fitness industry, but also the last gym that we, like we shared space at a gym. Mm -hmm. And when, when we started posting things online about racism, um, one of the other business owners that was in that gym and it was actually their space that we were renting from Mm -hmm. told um told us that we lacked decorum yeah (laughs) for talking about racism i mean we lack decorum (laughs) all the time but like (laughs) but that's the least of your concerns so true (laughs) yeah yep um and so you and so i think about that and and even the fact that like decorum like just that word itself sounds kind of snotty and like upper class and you know like all of those things and it's like so the so it makes me think about like what in their mind we're selling when we're selling fitness right right we're we're selling a certain kind of prestige and a certain kind of body thin and white and as you know and and oh, able yeah and- oh I'll never forget like I don't know that this really has anything to do with what we're, what we're talking about but I'll never forget when we wanted to host that event dump, dumbbells and donuts oh yeah that was a great idea <laughs> it was so we have a friend who um her family owns a food truck that sells mini donuts and they're delicious uh-huh and we were going to do an event called donuts and dumbbells and and the person uh, who we were renting space from said, no, you can't use our space for that because we don't believe in donuts. Who doesn't believe in donuts? <laughs> I mean, I am appalled. If you want to talk about decorum, yeah. like, <laughs> you got to believe in donuts. But isn't that some like 
fat phobic bullshit. Yes, like, it is. we don't, I'm sorry, we're in fitness. We don't eat donuts. I'm like, I'm sure you don't, except for in your car in the middle of the night when nobody's looking because you've been on a diet for a year. Like, no, I'm so, like, <laughs> you don't get me started. Or eat zingers in the bathroom. Oh my God. <laughs> a story for another time yeah 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 if y'all remember ask jill about zingers in the bathroom (laughs) i have a story for you (laughs) so 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 there are all these different ways that we can do harm right um we could do harm by doing it to ourselves within our own selves or by just inaction Mm -hmm. when we need to act Mm -hmm. or learn or observe or whatever it is there are there's harm that we can do to other people on an interpersonal level and then there's ways that we buy into systems that cause harm and just by buying into those systems we are a part of the problem Mm -hmm. so yep um So what can we do when that happens? So like on a personal level, we can start doing the work. Um, One of the things for me with that is that I know that I'm always learning Mm -hmm. and that I don't have to be perfect. Yes. And sometimes it might feel like you have to be perfect, but that's just an impossibility. And so as much as you can let that go, I think that there's a lot of freedom in that Mm -hmm. so that you can explore and learn about your own biases. Also learning about intersectionality has been incredibly powerful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I walk into spaces all the time and sort of take an inventory of my privileges in those spaces compared to others. Yeah. Because when I'm interacting with someone, those things can become incredibly important. Yeah. I was, I was, I was still kind of stuck back on, um, what you were saying about not being perfect. Um, I've, I've spoken to this many times in this podcast and I've written about it and, um, about my history of, uh, recovering from perfectionism. And I think like when we're taking inventory of, of ourselves and when we're taking accountability for the harm that we have done um i like i have to be allowed to make mistakes and i have to hear what this what people are are trying to tell me mm-hmm. like those things those things coexist mm-hmm. so yes you don't have to be perfect and yes you can make mistakes and mm-hmm. <laughs> well not even just making mistakes but i think sometimes like one of the mistakes I see people make is in action. Yeah. Like they're so they they're doing the inner work. Maybe they're reading a bunch of books and they're kind of, they're seeing the world in a new way for the first time, but they're not doing anything about it. Yeah. They're not saying something to their racist uncle when, you know, they make a, a joke at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or they're not attending the protests in whatever way that they can. They're not posting on social media. They're not, you know, like, and all of those things, those things do matter mm-hmm. because people's lives are on the line. Like yeah. bills are being passed to basically ban trans people's existence. Mm-hmm. You know, black and brown people are being shot by the cops every day. Like, so those be actually showing up in whatever way feels right for you 
is really important. Mm-hmm. So like just learning about the stuff, the existence of racism and all that stuff is just part of it. Yep. But actually putting it into action is another part. And there's no one way to do the work. Right. Like your role might be just having conversations with people in your friends and family group. Um, your role might be more like at on the streets, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. maybe you're a protest mom and you swing by to grab people who have been tear gassed and, yeah. you know, bring them out of that area or give water to people, or maybe you fill fridges for people or like, there's so many different ways to show up. So it doesn't have to be just one way, but, um, but showing up is important. The doing some kind of action is important, I think. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that that's something that I've really have like reckoned with myself over this past, like even just few months <laughs> that um, action is super important and I need to be showing up in these different ways where like that action is happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, so for when it comes to your own personal work, there might not be, you know, like any kind of like seeable action mm-hmm. or visible action. That's the word I wanted to say. Seeable, yeah. Seeable. <laughs> Telling you. You're doing Take great. me back to Mexico. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> we can do there's, it. There might, there's, might not be some kind of like visual, visible action. But with like interpersonal and even systemic um, things like reckonings, mm-hmm. um, there probably will be. Yes. And in when those kinds of things are happening, I think that having a discussion about intent versus impact is really important. Mm-hmm. Yes. So do you want to talk us through what those two things mean? <laughs> I would love to. Right. I feel like we're in like a, like a little like info thing, like, Hey, Jill, why don't you tell us what they mean? Kara, I would love to. (laughs) (laughs) So intent versus impact. So when we're talking about, uh, when we're talking about causing harm to people, our intention may not have been to cause harm. In fact, I would like to think that most of the time Uh our intention is not to cause harm. However, the impact that our action or inaction has on other people is is the issue. So like maybe um, my intention was not to misgender someone, but the impact was that I did and now they feel very unsafe in our fitness space. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So the intention is, is that I would be welcoming to all people and respect their, respect their identifying pronouns. And then I don't, I mess up. The impact is that now they are questioning whether or not this is a safe space for them to, to, to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my opinion on this is that when we do the harm, it's best to address the impact that we had first. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't mean that you'll never get to say, I didn't mean to, mm-hmm. because you will. That's part of the, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Your feelings matter to me. Like that wasn't my intent. Like 
you'll get to say that, but saying like, I see that I did you harm in this way. This is what I will do to make amends for the harm that I've done. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't mean to cause you that harm. Mm -hmm. But what I think a lot of times what happens is we get defensive because in our own heads, we know like we didn't mean to cause that harm. Yeah. And so we want to explain that first. Right. And when we hit somebody with that first, who's already feeling the pain from the action that we had, that we did. Right. That's that it doesn't usually hit well. No. And I think that addressing the impact first, like just practicing that in general is a great way for us to do um, our own inner work on not directly jumping to being defensive. Mm -hmm. And you know what, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't get defensive. There have been times that I've been called in that I have really, really struggled with getting defensive. Mm -hmm. And that's when I think y'all need a Jill because like, I can, (laughs) I can call Jill and being like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Like I need to be like defensive and petty and get it out of my system. And like, move forward mm-hmm. and I need a safe person to talk to about it. Yes. This is not ever the person you harmed that no. needs to hear any of this. <laughs> you need a Jill. You need- I'm here for you. <laughs> You're going to get all these DMs. I know. They're going to be like, okay, so this is what I did. <laughs> I'll tell you what I've gotten so good at boundary setting. If it's too much, I'll tell you. <laughs> so so, I mean, so we're, I don't think that we're asking for people to not get defensive. It's just that when you're talking to the person whom you've harmed personally, and they have taken it upon themselves to tell you that you did the harm, they're not the person that needs to hear about you feeling defensive. No. So, um, so yeah, so the, the, and then on all parts, like, I think a bigger conversation that I kind of would like to to talk about here is also the idea of like canceling people and cancel culture, because sometimes the result of these kinds of interactions comes with that person being written off Mm -hmm. or being like, like, oh, that person, that person did me wrong. They're not a safe person. And then I don't think they should be part of the community anymore. Mm -hmm. And I say this as a white, cis, able-bodied woman, but that makes me really sad Mm -hmm. because I really believe that we need to be pulling more people in, which means that we're going to be having more and more and more of these kinds of conversations with people, because we're going to be dealing with people who have not yet done some of the inner work or are just starting or know they want to be a part of it, but maybe aren't aware of their intersectionality, intersecting identities. Yeah. Um, And, but if we're going to make this movement work, if we're going to, you know, even if we keep it in the fitness industry, if we're going to be changing the fitness industry or we have to be talking to other fitness professionals who are still struggling with fat phobia. Yeah. If we're going to be 
if we're going to be changing, you know, racism in our country, we have to be able to still talk with like the white ladies who think that we lack decorum. <laughs> you couldn't God even get through it. that. <laughs> but well, yeah. And I think like as people who are always trying to do better and learn and, um, and really address these things as they come up, it can be really hard um, to do that. Um, it's easy for, it's easy for me, like <laughs> talking from my personal experience, it's easy for me to just write people off because they don't, they don't get it yet, you know, or they, or, you know, they refuse to get it yet, or they can't get it yet or whatever. I mean, if you refuse to get it, I guess I can write you off, but for the people who just actually really don't know or have never examined that part of themselves, it can be really hard to not just be like, yeah, you clearly don't get it. I'm out. And so like, what is, you know, so I, and I think that like, because of, you know, the, this whole idea of cancel culture for me, seeing the, like seeing the end goal that I'm hoping for, I, I just, I think, I think that we have to have a road for redemption for people when they make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And the thing where, that I struggle with, with that is that means that these people who have been harmed, who deal with microaggressions, who, you know, like are constantly correcting people on their pronouns will most likely continue to do that with people who are very quote unquote, well-meaning. Yeah. And are there ways that if you're listening and you're a white person, are there ways that you can help take some of the burden off of those people in calling in your own people? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like Jill and I are sort of on some kind of a makeshift community, white lady, accountability task force yeah (laughs) where where like there's an agreement between a group of us that we will if we see another white person do a thing that we will take it upon ourselves to do the work to call that person in to do that like that emotional labor so that the usually the person who's been harmed who maybe is is non-binary or trans or a person of color is not having to do extra work, Mm -hmm. but then we're also potentially not canceling people and just saying we're done with them because they weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm taught that's all I got. I want another margarita. (laughs) I'm done. Are we done? Wrap it up for us, Jill, because that's it. That's, this is the best <laughs> podcast we've ever done. Oh <laughs> that's all that we have for you today. <laughs> that's it. That's it. If you, if you like the Push Podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a review. The more subscriptions and reviews that we get, the more visibility that we get, and the more easily we can find listeners just like you. Also, if you love the Push Podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash pushfitness to become a Patreon member today, and we will give you access to all sorts of cool things when you do that. And that's it. 
More margaritas? That sounds good. All right. Bye. Cheers.